1: Welcome back to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. The San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station, known as SONGS, came to life 53 years ago with the most sophisticated technology and the promise of clean, reliable energy for millions of Californians. After operating for several decades, the plant was shut down in 2013, and plans were laid to decommission the facility, starting with some of the main buildings and substructures. The facility Iconic Domes, which have been featured in pop culture references for years, will be the last to go. Here to tell us more is John Dobkin, public information officer for the San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
1: John, start by telling us the background of the San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station.
0: Well, really, it it was an act of Congress in the early 1960s that set the stage for San Onofre to become, located on Camp Pendleton, and it began with what we call Unit 1, which was a smaller nuclear reactor that came online in 1968. That was retired and partially decommissioned starting in 1992. And then in the early 80s, units 2 and 3 came online in 1983 and 1984, respectively. And those were much larger units, and those are the iconic domes that everybody notices from from I-5. And so those ran until 2013. And what happened really... They ran until 2012. We had an issue with the replacement steam generators, which are a major component of a pressurized water nuclear reactor. And chances are you'll probably only replace those once, maybe twice, depending on how long the, the nuclear plant operates. But it was a 10-year project to replace, very expensive, they're individually designed, shipped across the Pacific Ocean, and then installed... And because of a design flaw, we had some tube wear inside these steam generators, which caused leaks, which you don't want to have. So after analyzing the situation and looking at what it would take to keep both plants online, the decision was made to go ahead and retire the plants. And so in 2013, we officially notified the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, which is our regulator, that the plant would be permanently retired. And then starting at that point, then, we get into decommissioning.
1: So what's the current situation with dismantlement?
0: Decommissioning is a potentially 60-year process. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission gives nuclear plants 60 years to decommission. So all nuclear plants will eventually be decommissioned. Mm. And what that entails is taking all of your spent nuclear fuel that you have either in the reactor or in the spent fuel pools and putting that into dry fuel storage and then dismantling all of the structures that were used during the operation of the plant and decontaminating the site down to a level where it can be then repurposed for whatever use in the future. So where we are now in the dismantlement, we're really just wrapping up year two of this. In January of 2020, we issued a notice of deconstruction that we were going to begin really the bulk of the dismantlement and decontamination work. And so we've been involved in that and if you go to our YouTube channel songs community YouTube dash songs community you can see a lot of time-lapse videos that we've posted there of these buildings coming down. We've dismantled 27 structures and buildings so far most of that this year. And so we still have a lot of major buildings to go and one of the buildings we're working on right now is the turbine building which is where the electricity was generated so the steam that was created inside the reactor is then taken by pipes over to the turbines and the turbines the steam turns the turbines which turn a generator which produces the electricity so that building now is coming down and we've been removing some of those turbines in fact we just saw last week the first low pressure turbine rotor being lowered from the turbine deck which is the top of the turbine building is about 72 feet above sea level that being lowered down and that's 352,000 pounds of metal (laughs) that that you're lowering down so the process moves very slow in some regard Some of the buildings that have come down so far have been sort of warehouses, office buildings, a couple really seismically robust structures, the diesel generator buildings. And there's a contractor whose name is Brandenburg that has been uh, very efficient in terms of taking these buildings down. And it's really been an, an amazing thing to watch them work and attack these buildings.
1: You said you've had about 20 buildings come down so far. How many structures are left to dismantle?
0: So we're probably looking at roughly, let's say, about 60 buildings and structures total. So you might think, oh, well, you're almost halfway there. (laughs) But the buildings that are left are the turbine building, as I mentioned, the containment domes, the fuel handling buildings, and these are really all at the heart of the plant. And they are very, the containment domes, for instance, have four foot thick walls uh, that are steel lined. And so it's going to take some years to really bring these down. So the entire project is, this phase of it is set to run to about 2029. So we're going to be looking at probably taking the containment domes down in the 2025-2026 timeframe. So by 2027, you'll be driving on I-5 and and likely not see anything uh, if you're looking west.
1: Now, the San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station provided a significant amount of power to Southern California. With that being decommissioned, where is our power coming from now?
0: So you have it coming from a lot of different sources. We still get power from uh, Palo Verde Nuclear Plant in Arizona. You have a lot of solar, a lot of wind, uh, you have some natural gas to back it up. You've still got Diablo Canyon nuclear plant to the north that's still operating. So it's really coming from a variety of sources and really you've got hydro coming in. So when the plant shut down, we were able to procure enough electricity to to continue moving on and providing customers of Southern California Edison with electricity.
1: And tell us how the material is leaving the site and where is it going?
0: It's going a couple of different places. We're going to be, during this phase of it, removing about a billion pounds of material from the site. And the bulk of that is going to go to Clive, Utah. Energy Solutions is one of our decommissioning contractors, and they have a facility up there that can take low-level radioactive waste. And that's what we're classifying this as as low-level waste. A lot of it is just simply crushed concrete. It doesn't have any radioactivity to it, but we're treating it that way just to make it easier to ship it and everything. So it's going to Clive, Utah, by rail. For instance, we have a number of uh, rail cars that leave the site every week that has this material, and it's going to Clive, Utah. We have some metals that we're going to be recycling, and that material is going to a facility outside Las Vegas. Some of the other material might be going to a facility in Arizona, and that's more of just a, an industrial-type waste. And then the higher-level radioactive waste, uh, which is, would be Class B and Class C waste, is going to a facility in West Texas. So it's going to a variety of places, but none of the material is staying here in California.
1: And when will the domes be gone?
0: They'll be gone probably by 2027. So we'll start removing those around 2025, 2026 and the approach to it is interesting because through all this dismantlement and work and everything we don't we don't use explosives or anything like that it's not like you know we're bringing down a Las Vegas hotel or something so everything is done very planned really very slowly and with environmental stewardship a part of this so we don't we don't want excess dust created we don't want any of these things that, you know, if you did something like, you know, used explosives, you, might, you wouldn't have much control over it. So that's really what we're trying to do as we go through this dismantlement is to control the process. And so for the domes, they're going to go around and weaken bottom section of the domes. And once it's weak, it'll collapse down and they'll remove that material and then weaken another section and it'll collapse down again. And it'll just keep collapsing down until it's gone. So they've used this technique at another nuclear plant, and it worked well, so that's probably what we'll be doing here.
1: I'm speaking with John Dobkin, public information officer for the San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station. What's going to happen with the spent nuclear fuel, and what is it exactly?
0: Spent nuclear fuel is uh, is a solid pellet. It's about the size of a gummy bear, and it goes into the reactor as this solid pellet, and it creates a tremendous amount of carbon-free electricity while it's in the reactor, and then it comes out of the reactor after about six years, and it's placed in a spent fuel pool, and it's still this pellet. And then after about five years in the spent fuel pool, which allows the fuel to cool, it's then placed in dry cask storage and then stored on site. But it's always this fuel pellet, again, about the size of a gummy bear. These fuel pellets are put into fuel rods which are uh, zirconium alloy welded closed rods and then you group these rods together in what's called a fuel assembly and a fuel assembly might be about 14 feet tall and the latest canisters that we loaded at Song's can hold up to 37 of these fuel assemblies so we have 123 canisters total of spent nuclear fuel now stored on site. And inside the canisters, there's only helium. There's, there's no water. The canisters themselves are just cooled by air. So it's just convection cooling that circulates around the canister. The canisters themselves are welded shut, so there's no potential for leaking. The canisters have a service life of 100 years or more. So they're very robust structures. But the plan was never for nuclear plants to store this spent fuel on site for an inordinate amount of time. The plan always was that the Department of Energy would come in back in nineteen ninety-eight and start picking up the spent fuel from nuclear plants all across the country and take it to a national repository, deep geologic storage, where it would remain forever. But you may have heard of Yucca Mountain, that was the National Repository, but work on Yucca Mountain essentially stopped in 2010. So now the effort is to restart the process and and essentially go back to zero, start all over again, and find a new site in which all of this spent fuel can be stored forever. And the Department of Energy recently just started a process, a request for information for what's called consent-based siting. Because if a community is willing to host a national repository, your chances of being successful with that national repository go way up. So Mm -hmm. what this process is, is identifying both communities that are willing to accept spent nuclear fuel storage, And then you also have to identify the geologic features to make sure that those two things can come together. So you have the right rock in which to store the spent nuclear fuel, and you have a community that's willing to accept it. And that's really what this process is. So we're hoping that we'll see some success. The Biden administration, um, the Department of Energy is uh, very, uh, let's say, enthusiastic about this process and, and, and making progress with it. You have a number of members of Congress, including Representative Mike Levin, who's he's in California's 49th district, which is where Songs is located. He has started a spent fuel caucus in Congress, a bipartisan caucus of legislators that have spent nuclear fuel in their districts also to come together because there are going to need to be some changes to federal law to really make this a success. And so it's going to take all these pieces coming together and really deciding that we need to do this. It, it is our responsibility. We need to find the solution and move forward with it.
1: And what is the Action for Spent Fuel Solutions Now Coalition?
0: That's a coalition that Southern California Edison and our partners began. We launched it in March of this year. And it's really to keep the issue front and center and kind of keep pressure on all of these elements to ensure that there is work happening to make sure that we find that solution and we move forward on that solution. Spent nuclear fuel is very safely stored. There is no imminent danger with the storage of spent nuclear fuel. It's just sitting there undergoing radioactive decay The systems in which it's stored are very robust, as I've said, in terms of seismic. Our systems at Song's can withstand 1.5 g of horizontal shaking in an earthquake, which is twice what the plants were built to when -hmm. they were operating. One of our spent fuel storage systems can be submerged under 125 feet of water, if you're thinking about tsunamis. The other system, 50 feet of water. So these systems are really impervious to nature, and that's a good thing because we want this spent fuel to be isolated. And so that's why we've engineered and constructed these facilities to isolate the spent nuclear fuel, which is highly radioactive. So it can stay here for a long time, but we don't want it to stay here for a long time. The community doesn't want it to stay here for a long time. And really, the federal government, they are in partial breach of their contract because they were supposed to come and start picking it up and and taking it off site. So really, we're trying through this coalition to involve local communities so that they have a voice in this and they can let the right people know that we need to take action and we need to get it done. So you can go to spentfuelsolutionsnow.com. We encourage people to sign up. And we'll be providing information on things that are going on with the issue, if you're interested in the issue. And we really look forward to having a lot of people come together because we haven't really seen anything like this in terms of the the coalition focused on, on this issue to really get things going. And so, so far, we've been great. We've had Orange County Board of Supervisors passed a resolution of support. San Diego County Board of Supervisors did the same thing. We have smaller communities that are signing on. So, Riverside. And so, it's been growing, and it's been great to see.
1: Now, you've brought some samples of spent nuclear fuel. What is this other thing that you've brought in for show and tell?
0: So, this is a coupon. And just to be clear, these are just I didn't actually bring in spent nuclear fuel, but okay, these awesome. are. So <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, so am I. So am I. Yeah, because we may not be talking right now. <laughs> so this is what we call a coupon. So it's a piece of a spent nuclear fuel canister. And for folks on the radio, it's about the size of my palm and it weighs three and a half pounds. And it's five eighths inch thick. And we use 316L stainless steel because we are in a marine environment and 316L stainless steel is very highly corrosion resistant. So that's the one limiting factor for the canisters is something called stress corrosion cracking which is introduced it's a long term process but it's introduced basically from salt deposits onto the canister. So having a highly corrosion resistant piece of metal really slows and prevents that process. And then we've done a couple of other things with the way we've designed the canisters to ensure that chloride induced stress corrosion cracking is not a significant factor for our canisters. And like I said, it's a long term process. You're talking about getting a crack to go through this entire five eighths inch of a canister. Mm-hmm. It would take eighty years. But what we do is we have been storing spent fuel in dry storage at Songs since two thousand and three and we've done inspections of canisters and we have not seen any degradation on the canisters that have been storage uh, 17 or 18 years. And so that's a good thing. And what we'll be doing now is after the initial 20-year license for the canisters, you enter into what's called an aging management program. And so every five years after that, you do inspections of canisters and what you're looking for is any what are called precursors any pitting or staining or anything like that that may eventually lead to stress corrosion cracking down the road and so you identify that early on and mitigate it so that you don't have you don't have a problem so like i said these canisters can last 100 years we've had spent nuclear fuel in these types of canisters in the, in the united states since about 1986 we've never had an issue with any of these canisters, either leaking or cracking or or doing anything like that. So it's really great technology. And like I said, inside the canister, there's nothing in there except helium. They can't blow up. Even if you had a crack in it, there's no motive force in the canister to propel any of the material out. Mm. It wouldn't matter if air got in. It's not going to create any sort of criticality or anything like that because you've You load the canisters so that let's say you were down the road transporting it and it fell into a river and somehow cracked open and water got in and you would still not have a criticality because of the way you loaded the canister back at the start. Hmm. And so all of these things are taken into account throughout the entire process and you know we're hoping that once we have a location to relocate these canisters to we'll take them out of their storage location put them in a transportation cask put them on the back of a train and ship them off site to wherever the location is
1: is there anything else you want us to know just in terms
0: of our focus on safety and environmental stewardship as we go through this dismantlement decommissioning process really from a safety standpoint Safety is the top priority, and that may sound like a cliché, but it really is a top priority for an operating nuclear plant and for a decommissioning nuclear plant. We want the folks who are working on the dismantlement to, to be safe. We want the community to be safe as we go through this process. And that extends to the storage of spent nuclear fuel. We work at the plant also. We want to be safe, so it's very important to us. We live in the community where the plant's located. so. We want everybody to be safe in that regard, and, and we've done a lot of things to make sure that uh, the storage of spent nuclear fuel and the dismantlement uh, will be safe uh, for folks, uh, for workers and the public. And then in terms of environmental stewardship, that's, a, that's a very important. Where we're located is a beautiful part of the California coast. We're in between the San Onofre State beaches to the north and the south. So as we go through this uh, dismantlement, Making sure that we're taking care of the environment around us is very important for us, and and that's one of our key focuses. And and we've done a lot of actions to make sure through monitoring and testing to make sure that we are being uh, environmentally responsible as we go through this, because that is key. You have to do it right. And so that's what we're planning on doing.
1: How can we follow the decommissioning of the San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station? Or where can we go to get more information?
0: We have a lot of different places you can go. The website is a, a great place to get up-to-date information on the latest on what's happening. And that's songscommunity.com. We have a essentially a blog post there, our DCOM Digest, where we post updates on the work that's going on. As I mentioned, our YouTube channel has all the uh, the time-lapse videos and other videos that really explain about spent fuel storage and, and other aspects of what's going on at Songs. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So we're everywhere because it's very important to us. We have three decommissioning principles, safety, stewardship, and the third one is engagement. And we really want people to know what's happening at the site because I always like to tell people nuclear plants are sort of like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Uh-huh. You, know, you, you really don't get too much of a chance to go in because of the security features of it. So it, it can be a little bit of a mystery. Um, we try to break those barriers down a little bit. You can go to our website and sign up for a public walking tour. So we have walking tours that we stage on Saturday mornings and we've had a tremendous response. We sold out for uh, 2021, and so now we're booking into 2022. And it's really a, a nice way to come down to the plant. We have retired employees who provide information on how the plant operated, how we store the spent fuel, what's happening with the, the dismantlement. And you walk through these stages, and, and you, you really see for yourself the site. And we get a, a great response from people to those tours. So I would encourage people to go to our website and sign up and, uh, and come on down.
1: And give us your website and social media handles again.
0: Okay. The website is songscommunity.com. The Facebook is Songs Community page. At uh, Twitter handle is S-C-E underscore songs. And we're also on Instagram as uh, Songs Community. So. And then the, the YouTube page is uh, YouTube. Dot com slash songs community.
1: I've been speaking with John Dobkin, public information officer for the San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. This was really interesting. I
0: appreciate you having me on. I, I, it's, it's great to be able to talk to people about these types of things. And, and again, if, if anybody has any questions, reach out to us. We're, we're happy to answer them.
1: Thank you so much and yeah. happy new year.
0: Happy new year.